0: Hey, Bethany family. Uh, Welcome. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, My name is Martin. I oversee our family life team here at Bethany. And uh, it's just a great privilege to serve with the people I do and care for families. And uh, every once in a while, they allow me some uh, mic time. And uh, so I'm glad to share with you a little bit of my life uh, and from Scripture as well. So uh, let's just jump in. Hey, we're living through an unprecedented time in history. You don't need to be reminded of that. And because of that, the decisions that we've needed or been asked to make have been very difficult, have been very complicated. And I just want to explore that a little bit. Uh, Today is all about helping us make good and wise and godly decisions, even in the midst of the craziness that we find ourselves in. And so we're going to get to that in a minute. Before I jump in, I just want to say Thank you, and just show just a huge amount of appreciation uh, to Tim and Jane Tullock. Uh They have served on staff with us here at Bethany. Uh, Tim has been with us for eleven years. Jane has been with us for fourteen years. And just over the past few months, they felt uh, it necessary just to kind of step away uh, into some family business stuff. And and uh, I just want to share um, my appreciation, and collectively as a church, share our appreciation to. Tim and Jane, thank you so much uh, for your faithfulness and serving uh, the lives and the families that have impacted through your ministry has been amazing. And so thank you. Uh, Thank you for giving of yourselves uh, just so freely and willingly over these past number of years. It's been great to work with you. Uh, Tim has been our sports director here. He took kind of this crazy idea that Pastor Larry had that you could impact families uh, for Jesus through sports. And he kind of made that a reality. And so uh, thanks for Tim for dreaming that into reality and carrying that so well uh, these past years. And Jane has been our assistant director of Kidsmen here. And again, just loved families well, just made sure everything was well organized and and that we were running like a well-oiled machine. And and so Tim and Jane, we're gonna miss you. And we just send you away with God's blessing and love. Uh, If you weren't with us this past Sunday, we had kind of a celebration in the pavilion it wasn't a kind of celebration. It was a celebration, uh, just this open house. And, and if you weren't able to be there and kind of share your appreciation uh, to them, I know they'd love for you to reach out and, and share that. And so, hey, take some time this week to reach out to them uh, via phone call or email and just show them your love. I know they'd appreciate that. So, so again, as I was saying, we don't need to be reminded that we're living during unprecedented times it's been very difficult to navigate the decisions that we are being asked to make in this season. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. The first reason, I think, is the, the number and pace of decisions we are being asked to make that things are coming quicker and quicker and we're not given lots of time to kind of think through and process the outcomes of the decisions it seems like we've gotten an email from uh, the school saying you need to make a decision whether you're sending your kids to school and oh by the way it needs to be done tomorrow so the number and pace of decisions secondly i think the lack of clarity or the previous knowledge that we've had uh, around some of the situations that we find ourselves in. Like we just kind of can't look through the playbook and, and say, hey, this is how I've done it before. Things are just totally new totally different. And so that makes it difficult to make good and healthy and godly decisions. Again, I think not having all the necessary information is another reason why it's difficult to navigate this current situation. I think, too, the closeness of the situation. And what I mean by that is, is that the fact that it's all around us that we can't kind of get away from it. It touches every aspect of our life, from our shopping, to our going to the gym, to our work, to our school. Everything's affected by it, and so it just always feels close to us. And lastly, I think the potential outcomes of the decisions we make during the season make it difficult. Like, we're just not talking about what color shirt I should wear today? Like we're, we're talking about things that are going to affect our future and our finances and our kids and the things that are, that are most dear and close to us. So when you kind of throw all these things into the mix, uh, we have the potential to make some pretty bad decisions, some decisions that might not lead us to where we want to go. And so we know that after months of being quarantined, we started going a bit batty and doing some crazy things to ourselves. And, and I don't know if you've seen it or heard about it, but there's this disturbing uh, trend that was going around of cutting your own hair. And uh, the results, I think, speak to the level of sanity that was left in our world at the time. And I'll uh, uh, show you a few pictures. This first one is, I call it the reverse Caesar, the reverse Caesar. And that's a, it's a picture of, of pure of pure joy, I think. Uh, this next one is, I think, my personal favorite. I've got two that I really like. This one, though, is, is one of my personal favorites. It's called The Full Circle. The Full Circle. That's right. The Full Circle. Just look at it, take it in, and uh, this might be something that you say, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to get this done. And I know your hairdresser would thank you for it. The full circle. This next one's called the monk, or I call it the half monk, because they weren't quite fully dedicated to it. They didn't go all the way around the back and side of the, the hair with it, just the top. But still, I think, I think uh, something, something beautiful. The monk. Uh, this next one, again, along with the full circle, I think is, is the top of the uh, food chain for me. Uh, this one's called the mustache the mustache. That's right. It's not enough to have a mustache just above the lip. You got to have one above the eyebrows as well. And, uh, just love the slickness of it. Uh, just taking great attention to what that looks like on the top of his forehead. Again, I think speaks to the level of sanity, uh, that was left in our world. Not sure what was going on in this young man's mind. Uh, but then this last one is, I call it the, you should never be allowed out of the house. Uh, that's officially what that one's called. Uh, we've got a few examples there for you. That's right. You should never be allowed out of that house if you're, have a hairdo like that. But hey, we know, and these, uh, haircuts definitely attest to the fact that sometimes uh, under these circumstances, we don't make the best decisions possible. We need to know how to make wise decisions though, financially, for our kids, for the jobs and our career paths and our relationship. We need to make healthy and good and godly decisions. And so in the midst of the difficulties, the pain, the uncertainty, the bad haircuts, this is what I want to share with you this morning, that God is for you. God wants what's best for you. Let me say it again. God is for you and he wants what's best for you. And so that's my main point today that, that I want you to go home with that. I want you to remember, take with you that God is for you. He wants what's best for you. We're going to look at James. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James. We're going to start right in chapter one. Just look at a few verses today that illustrate how God is for you and then uh, how he wants the best for us. And he's kind of laid out a plan for us that I think we can take even in the midst of the craziness that we find ourselves in. So James 1, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, maybe you can identify with where James is speaking from. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Troubles of any kind consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. I love this in verse 4, he says, So let it grow. Let it grow. He says, lean into those opportunities. Lean into those difficulties. Embrace those difficult decisions and questions that you have. Let it grow. Because you know that when you lean in, things are going to flourish. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing anything. And so as we look forward to verse 5, this is how I know that God is for us. This is how I know that God wants what's best for us. So when we go through times of trouble and certainty and our faith is tested, we know that we don't walk alone. That God is with us and He wants to give us something to help us through. Why can we have confidence? Why can we consider troubles an opportunity for joy? Why can we grow through these times grow through these through these times and become complete? The answer is found in verse 5. He says, if you need wisdom, if you need wisdom, or should I say when you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Ask our generous God. I love that. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He's not going to slap your ass and say, no, no, no. Don't worry about that. Ask our generous God. And I love that. The heartbeat of our father, the heartbeat of God for you and for me is to be for us is to be generous, is to be gracious, is to be overflowing and lavish in his love and his wisdom for us. So if you find yourself, and when you find yourself in a difficult situation, when you need wisdom, when earthly wisdom, when conventional wisdom won't do, he says, I'm going to be there. Ask me, ask me. I am for you. I'm generous. And I want to help you through. I love that. So if you find yourself in that place today, embrace the fact that God is generous and he wants what's best for you. And so James picks up this idea of asking for wisdom a few verses later, again in chapter three, verse 13, and we'll spend the rest of our time in these next few verses. He just outlines and kind of illustrates the kind of wisdom that God has for us. And it'll blow your mind. He says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. James is saying, I want you to do a reality check. In essence, verse 13 is saying to us that we will be exposed by the decisions we make. So the decisions we make and the attitude that we carry with us displays whether we're wise and whether we're truly understanding God's ways, whether we truly understand God's ways. And so he's going to unpack this for us in these next few verses to help us understand what he's, what he's sharing with us. In verse 14, he says, but if you are bitterly jealous and if there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up with boasting and lying for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Let me say that again, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, he says, even demonic. For whenever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Sometimes I know for me, and maybe you can attest to this too in your own life, the motivation for my decisions are selfish ambition. They're selfishly based. They're selfishly driven or they're driven by jealousy. It's from wanting too much or feeling like we don't have enough. Feel like we have too little. But either way, it comes from a place of discontentment in our life. And this pandemic has exposed our discontentment, hasn't it? It has exposed that in our hearts, in our lives. But here's the truth. We won't find God's peace. We won't experience the wisdom that he has for us if we're motivated by discontentment. He says, this kind of motivation is, is earthly and unspiritual, and even demonic. It's going to lead us to disorder and chaos and hurt. And I think, ouch, like, James, why are you being so harsh here? Like, man, it's good to be honest in church, but I think you're just kind of going overboard with the honesty right? But I think James knew something. I think he knew that we would make an idol of these things and and an idol is simply uh, something or someone that we place too much value in or we pay too much attention to. And he knew these things would govern us, that they would kind of lord over us and and drive us in the decisions that we make. And so another reason I think he was kind of being harsh and forward uh, here is, is because he knew that selfish ambition and, and jealousy are kind of the antithesis of the gospel. It's, it's the opposite of, of who Jesus is. And Philippians uh, says Jesus laid down his heavenly nature. He kind of gave away his divine, his di- he gave away his divinity for all eternity and became human. He became our servant and died for us. And so James is saying, and you, you who say you follow Jesus are going to be driven by selfish ambition and jealousy when our Lord is, is totally opposite that? James says, come on, don't fool yourself. He says, don't cover up the truth. We can see right through that. He says, you'll be exposed by your decisions. James is saying, I want you to have the same mindset, the same heartbeat as Jesus in humility, he considered others better than himself. And here's a truth I've come to embrace and I've seen is that I look most like Jesus, and I believe our churches look most like Jesus when we are defending other people's rights rather than our own, and when we are giving away rather than demanding our way. And I think James would agree. And so he says, Hey, your decisions don't need to be motivated don't need to be driven by selfish ambition or jealousy about, they don't need to be driven about wanting too much or thinking you have too little, that place of discontentment in your heart. And in verse 17, he outlines a better way for us. He says, but the wisdom from above is first of all, pure. So this wisdom that God has for you is first of all, pure. It is also peace loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield itself to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. And so James is kind of plotting the way forward for you and for me and the decisions and the motivation that we have that drives us in the decisions that we make. He's saying they can either be driven by selfish ambition or jealousy But hey, I want them, I hope that your decisions will be driven by purity, the purity of heart, that they will come from a place of peace and contentment and gentleness, that it's not about striving to make your mark, or it's not about uh, making a name for yourself, but it's peace filled. It's willing to submit to others. It's willing to kind of give yourself away in service for others and sacrifice for others. It's an outflow. I love this. It's an outflow of the mercy-filled life God has so graciously shown us, right? The fact that we can see that God has worked in our hearts and shown us his mercy, and that drives us. It's the fruit of the good things God has blessed us with. It's an overflowing, it's an overabundance of the good things that God has done in our life. And, And no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you're experiencing now, if you've experienced Jesus, you've experienced all you need. If you've said yes to Jesus, you know his mercy. You know the fruit of the good things James is talking about, the good things that God has blessed you with. So if we have Jesus, we have more than enough. Jesus plus everything equals Jesus alone. That's all we need. That's all we need. And he says, he goes on, he says, this kind of God-honoring wisdom is not motivated by favoritism, it's filled with an awareness that, that everyone that we see is created and loved by God equally. It doesn't show favoritism. And the outcome will be peace and righteousness. Not only in my life, he says actually a harvest of righteousness, a fullness in our life, not just in our lives, but knows that we, those around us always we touch and interact with. So I want to encourage you in that kind of wisdom that James is talking about here. This is kind of wisdom that God has For you and for me in the face of difficulty and trial and uncertainty, the decisions that you need to make tomorrow. He says you have access to this. You have access to the storehouses of of heavenly wisdom and God is generous and wants to give it to you. He's for you. And this sermon is actually really personal to me and my family. I want to share how this has been shaping the decisions that we've been making as a family these past few months. At the start of lockdown in March, great timing, our family chose to open our hearts and and home again to fostering. And we took in uh, two and then three young children into our home. And the question I've been asked many times is, why would you want to do that? And specifically, why would you want to do that now? Now, we kind of get this question typically, why would you want to do that? Fostering is not sort of a lifestyle choice that, that most envision for themselves. And uh, I'm, I'm getting a bit older. My youngest is 13. Uh, I haven't changed diapers in a while. And to have three young kids under three in my home, um, yeah, it's it's not typical. Uh, but even with the onset of COVID it's made things much more difficult and complicated. When people are locking the world away, why would you want to open up your home and your hearts to strangers? Why would you purposefully expose yourself and your family to even more risk? doesn't seem like a wise thing to do, does it? But for us, it was the only thing that we could do. And, and I want to take you through the kinds of questions that we used uh, to make this decision. We And we don't this is a, a huge decision for us and our family again, and we just didn't do it flippantly and offhandedly. Uh, we took a lot of time and prayer uh, into this decision. So I hope that, uh, that when you uh, hear some of these questions and, and see some of the things that we considered and thought about, that you can take that and use that in your own life. And uh, this is something that not only in regards to fostering that we use, but I use this, these kind of questions in my own life when facing a difficult situation or something that I'm not completely familiar with, or, or it's just a little bit more complicated. Uh, again, so I hope for you when the stakes are high in your life and, and the decisions that you need to make, uh, are, are are overwhelming in your heart that you can sort of draw on some of those things. Again, it's not conventional wisdom, but, but we feel from scripture that it's, it's godly and, and helpful. And so just want to share them with you. First off, first question is, what's the motivation pushing us in this direction? And that's kind of what James has been talking about. What's the thing that is motivating you? Is it from a, a space of peace and contentment, knowing what God has done for you? Or is it driven by selfish ambition or jealousy? So what's the motivation pushing us in this direction? Think about the decisions that you're making. What's, what's some of the motivation that is pushing you in, that, in one direction or another? Number two is, do I have all the facts? or as as much of the facts as I can have, or that are available to me? Do I have all the facts? Begin to to seek out facts, begin to ask questions To do research. Uh, Do I have all the facts? Number three is, have we consulted our closest friends about this? What do they say? Am am I being stubborn or am I willing to listen to their advice and their guidance and their uh, mentorship in my life? number four is, how does this decision line up with what I know about God's heart? Because there's a lot of things that we may not know about the specific situation or the specific decision we need to make, but we know a lot of God's heart for us uh, outside of maybe that specific situation. And in the area of salvation, thinking about the decision you need to make, well, will this decision introduce other to, others to Jesus or will it create an obstacle or a stumbling block that keeps people from him. I think the area of mission, will our decision best leverage what we've been given for those in need? Will it help alleviate a hurt or a societal injustice? I think of the area of honoring family. Will our kids, will my spouse be pleased with our decision? Will it bring them honor or will it bring them shame? Talk about honoring commitments. Is it sustainable Will our decision cause me to break my word or commitment to another person? Can I kind of live by the decision I've made? Is it sustainable? Thinking about the cravings of the body, is is our decision a response to our wants or my wants, or do we just need to exercise more self-control and patience in a certain area of our lives? What about greed? What about greed? Is our decision motivated by how much we will gain? Or status, are we too concerned about how this decision will make us look in other people's eyes? Status, man, that's a big one. And that drives so many of the decisions that I know we kind of try not to make. And then lastly, laziness. Are we simply being lazy and choosing the easy way out? So those are some of the decisions we've made. Uh, A few others, just about how they align with God's heart and God's will for us. Another question we ask is, do we feel at peace with our decision? Have we adequately reflected on this and given it enough time, uh, enough sort of emotional space in our hearts and our lives? Can we kind of sleep on it? Like, are we comfortable with it? Do we feel at peace with this decision? Again, have we given enough time to reflect on the outcomes of it? And then lastly, uh, a a great question that we ask ourselves, you should ask yourself, is there are we being honest with ourselves? Are you being honest with yourselves in all of this, right? And so again, these are some of the uh, questions that we've asked ourselves. We want to encourage you uh, with whatever decision you're making to, to begin to kind of process and use it as a grid or a filter to kind of uh, look through the decision you need to make and the options that you have in front of you uh, just to kind of look at those through. And so so as I, as I close, I just want to say that even when we don't know what to do, even if we're faced with a complicated situation or a question or options, we still know what to do, right? We still know what to do. And there are core things that I believe you can choose to do each and every day, despite not knowing kind of your next step or not knowing the answer to a certain situation that you're facing in your own life. And so here's some of the core decisions that, that I've made, that we as a family have made, that, that, that guide us no matter what we're facing. And the first one is, is that I will walk with Jesus every day. I will walk with Jesus every day. doesn't matter if, if I'm in a good space or difficult space, if I'm uh, just facing sort of random situations and questions and situations, or if I'm kind of knee deep in something that I don't really know how to navigate. I know that that kind of my starting point, the thing that I can kind of anchor myself to is that every day I will get up and walk with Jesus every day. That I will seek today and every day to take on the attitudes, behaviors, and character of Jesus. That I may not know how to respond in a certain situation, but I could always be loving. I can always try to be like Jesus in every situation. I can treat people the way that Jesus would. And so I could seek to take on those attitudes, behaviors, and character. And thirdly, I'll be grateful and and squeeze the most out of every day. I can be grateful, right? I could squeeze every bit of joy and happiness out of the day. Fourthly is I will bless my family and I will model the way of Jesus for them. That My family is my number one priority. And lastly, I will be open to divine opportunities and appointments. That, you know, Jesus may have something different in mind for me that day, right? And I need to be open to that. So as we close, I want to remember that God is what? God is for you. That if you need wisdom, we serve a generous God. May this first, maybe you never thought about God and involving God in some of the decisions that you need to make from day to day. Uh, But you heard it here that God is generous, that you can include him in the decisions that you need to make each and every day, that God is for you. And I pray too that you have the courage uh, to make some of these core decisions, even in the face of uncertainty. And that lastly, that you'll make godly decisions, motivated by a heartbeat of Jesus, not out of selfish ambition or jealousy, but motivated by the heartbeat of Jesus that will positively impact your family and your decisions and our region. And that so together will change the world starting in Niagara. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you today. God, I thank you first of all that you are generous, that you are a generous God Lord, just allow that to sink into our hearts and in our minds today, that you are for us, that you are generous, that you want to give us those things that will make us uh, better and more like your son. So God, we seek wisdom today. God, in the decisions that we make, those complicated decisions that, to be honest, we don't know how to make well, God, we just seek your wisdom God, would you grant us it today? Lord, as we sit and reflect on your word, as we kind of process some of these questions in our own hearts and in our own minds with those who are closest to us, God, may we make the decision that will best honor you, that will help those around us, and that will seek, God, the best for us. And so we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.